Hey everyone, we want to welcome you to the Floater Founder Podcast. This is a Toronto-based podcast featuring local founders across all markets. We are your hosts, Samantha Lloyd and Lyson Casey. We are going to be bringing you interviews with exciting and hardworking founders. They will be sharing their experience creating and leading a company. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, you're here with Floater Founder. I'm your host, Samantha Lloyd, here with my co-host, Lyson Casey. Hello everyone. And today we are interviewing the co-founders of Fansaves. We're here with Shannon Ferguson, the CEO, and Chris McCarthy, the COO. So welcome, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, we're so excited to be here. It's so great to see you guys. We're super excited to be able to coordinate this finally um, and see you guys in Toronto. Uh, So tell us, first of all, what is Fansaves? So Fansaves is a mobile app, and it gives sports fans discounts and deals uh, from the sponsors of their favorite team. The best part about it is we're growing outside of just sports um, into organizations and universities and colleges. And really, because everyone is a fan of something, we're allowing them to save money just for being a fan. What made you guys decide uh, to want to do this? Um, So Shannon and I were actually uh, managing two minor professional hockey teams. And in the summer, we were out selling sponsorship. And we kept going into businesses and we kept hearing the business owners saying the same thing. They didn't want... They didn't feel like they were getting enough out of a sponsorship. They didn't think a dashboard or a rink sign or uh, you know an in-ice logo would actually drive customers into their establishments. Uh, they weren't able to collect any customer data and they really weren't able to track their return on investment. So after you know a couple months of running into the same problem, we had our aha moment and we decided we're gonna make an app and we're gonna allow the businesses that sponsor sports teams and organizations to actually um, you know track their ROI and collect customer data. And that was two years ago and it's so uh it's really crazy to look back at kind of where we've come from and from going in working in minor professional sports and really you know uh, feet on the ground selling sponsorship to now being able to help all these teams all these organizations who are still currently running into the same problems we are or we were and being able to now give them a solution and it's really uh, it's exciting for us because we feel their pain we've we've lived it and and now we get to help them uh since you're both co-founders how did you decide to divide up the roles and the companies especially in the early stage and how has that changed to now yeah shannon and i both have a strong background in in sales and marketing um so You know, we're both not technical co-founders, so actually developing an app, as you can imagine, was a huge learning curve for us. Um, So we've learned a lot along the way, uh, but we've really uh, implemented our skills as much into the business and our brand. Building the brand is something that's obviously super important for any business, and we think we've done a good job of that from our background. And something that's really cool is when Chris and I sat down and decided, you know, when we were doing all our incorporation papers and stuff, we had to name a CEO and we had to name a COO. And in in figuring out those roles, you know, we're both very similar uh, in what we do. And Chris was very humble and he he saw the the vision where he said a female founder and a female CEO is really important for any business and he like was so uh, eager and so happy to let me have that role and I'm, I'm so grateful because both of us we have the same like responsibilities um, we both are the co-founders but it's really nice uh, that he allowed me to be the CEO and you know it's really helped us uh, using that to really propel our business. There's not a lot of like diversity in sports. And then when you look at sports tech, it's like a f- small, small fraction of female founders. So having a female founder, Shannon's just blazing a trail. And it's so great to see um, like other female founders looking up to her, 
uh, as she blazes that trail. That's really awesome. Yeah, I love that. All right. And are you guys uh, sport, sports fans yourselves? And uh, how has exactly the sport industry, how, how is that? And how, how combining that with like the technology industry, how has that all been? So Chris and I both grew up as athletes. We both played competitive hockey. Chris went on to play seven years of pro hockey. Um, so for us growing up um, in sports was really our life. And, you know, before fan saves and before working in, in minor pro sports, I worked in sports marketing for um, like an online company. So I learned a lot. And for me, I mean, I, I live and breathe sports. It's that's why I love my job so much, because I get to literally talk and, and watch sports and now work with sports teams all day long. So it's it's the best part of, of what I do. And. For me, I played seven years professional hockey and ended up working in the front office for uh, a couple different teams for about four years um, doing the sales and marketing. So it was at that point I really identified that there was a pain point in the industry and that it was really hard to sell sponsorship. You know, when so many people are going in, um, you know, to these businesses and they're asking for sponsorship, um, you know, it's hard for businesses to choose. So, you know, coming up with fan saves and actually actually giving these these businesses, these sponsors, a way to track their return on investment, promote digitally is something that they're very, it's something that's very important right now. And with big data and um, everything going digital, it's just a huge trend that we identified and we knew we had something here and we've just been chasing this dream for two years. What's really cool too is if you look back even further than two years ago, both of us, uh, Chris and I had, you know, the dream of one day working for a major league team or something in, in that realm. And now we actually, with fans, get to work with all these teams. So instead of just working for one team, we're actually able to, to help so many. And it's just really cool, the journey that's led us to where we are today. And um, have there been any pivots along the way in these last two years? Oh my God, so many pivots from, you know, Chris has touched on that we're non-technical co-founders. So our MVP, we had that, and that's like our first version, right? Our minimum viable product. Uh, so the first version of our app, uh, we outsourced it and it was very, very basic, uh, but it allowed us to really gauge the market, do a lot of market research. So yeah, and then that MVP really allowed us to know uh, the new things that we wanted to implement, like push notifications and the GPS redemption uh, feature. So then our go-to-market product came out this February, and since then we've even seen more uh, things that we we are um, we are updating, and that we have a new update coming out September first. So for us, I think working in any tech job, you're always pivoting, you're always changing, and I think if and I guess in any business, if you're not open to pivoting, then you will fall behind because I think that's the nature of the beast. So, yeah, I think Shannon hit it right on the head. I think the saying is uh, build, test, validate, build, test, validate. And that's something that we really did with our MVP, our go-to-market product, go to market product. And we're still uh, making changes and pivoting as we go. But I think we made our biggest pivot almost right off the bat. Like we really came up with fan saves to solve our own problem in sports sponsorship, but then quickly realized how many other organizations, not only in sports, but um, you know, universities and colleges, festivals and events, uh, single athletes. I mean, the list goes on all these organizations and people have sponsors and majority of people have no idea who they are. So we're helping um, make those sponsors more visible. If you think about it, um, you know, direct mailers or those coupons that are in the back of the game day program, or even the coupons that, you know, just show up on your doorstep someday, someday, those are, people are so used to getting those, but we live in a digital age and there's no reason that 
um, businesses need to rely on those paper coupons anymore because that doesn't it, it can activate your fan or your user but it actually doesn't do anything when they're trying to track the person that's coming in their gender their age their primary location all they have is a coupon in their till mm-hmm. and they really it that doesn't tell them anything and at the base of fancies that's what we are that's why i love your company it's one of those ideas where you're like why like why didn't this exist and it's it's just so smart to be able like if i'm sitting at the game and I see all the sponsors, I'm following them, and then I just immediately get the reward of using that coupon or buying the product or getting a freebie. It just makes so much sense, so I really love it. We've surveyed a lot of people and talked to a lot of people, and 95% of people can't name even three sponsors Mm -hmm. of their favorite sports teams. And these can be diehard fans that go to games. I know that like, before I even got into this, when I would go to a game, I wouldn't remember all the oversaturation that was on the rink boards or on the scoreboard ads. I would leave and forget everything that I, that I had just seen. So now we're actually putting those sponsors into people's hands in their pockets and making sure that they're taking them home. I remember when you posted that on LinkedIn and I thought of like the Raptors and I was like, I can name one and that's it. How do you guys kind of approach the teams that you partner with? What's your what's your story that you use? What is kind of like, I don't want to say your sales message, but mainly like the story behind trying to get people on board. Yeah, for sure. For me, like when I'm talking to uh, another sports executive, I've been in their shoes. Like I know what they're facing. I know the pain point that they have. So I'm able to like talk to them on that level. I'm not coming at them from like a salesy approach. Like, hey, buy my product. It's like, no, I know what you're going through. Uh, This is something that can help you. And this is a tool that you can use to sell more sponsorship, but also retain more sponsorship at the end of the year. And I think like having like that conversation on that level, it's a lot easier and people like let their guard off a little bit. I think that's why we have seen so much early success and that we are seeing so much success as we keep growing because we aren't we aren't just out to sell a product and uh, like thanks for buying we'll see you next year for us like it really is important for us to help for teams to increase their sponsorship sales for us at the end of the day we it's not about just making money for us it's about helping these teams make money and and like Chris said they understand that it comes across that we really want to help them and I think like just being genuine like that has really been um, an important part of our growth Another thing too, like while we were in development for almost a year and a half, we were busy like attending conferences, very busy on LinkedIn, connecting with the right people in the industry. Um, so I think that's like something that we did a really good job at. As, and so like now when we reach out to these people, it's not, they've already kind of like heard of us. They've already kind of seen our content, what we're doing. Um, so we're not reaching out cold. It's kind of like a warm lead for us. One of our advisors, like at the very, very beginning, who's still with us now, he, he explained like, he said, you have to be like rolling thunder. And we were like, what's that? And he's like, well, when people hear thunder once, they don't get worried. They don't think a storm's coming. They just hear it once, it goes away, nothing happens. He said, if you just put fan saves out there now and then don't follow up on it and keep putting it in people's faces, it's not gonna be like that rolling thunder. So keep putting it out, keep putting it out, even though our MVP was get we were getting upgrades and everything like that we kept branding and we kept meeting people and I think that that rolling thunder has got us to the point where now it's like the storm is coming I think we've done a good job also just to like um, document our journey and have other entrepreneurs relate to like what we're going through but I think sports executives see that hustle too and I think that translates well for us as well both of you have been around the globe uh, pitching your company so how has that whole process been yeah it's been 
like fantastic. It's so amazing that we're doing something that, that allows us to get to meet so many people, get to travel. And just in June, we were in Berlin, uh, Germany, representing Canada on the world stage at the Get in the Ring pitch competition. And for us, that was really, uh, really a moment where we like actually sat back when we were there and we were like, wow, Fancy's is like being seen on this global stage. And Chris has a really good story about you know, being athletes and growing up and, you know, wanting to represent Canada as an athlete. And um, no, I mean, growing up, you, you always have the dream of wearing like the maple leaf on your jersey and representing your country. And that was something that I always like held close to my heart, watching the world juniors around Christmas time. And so for me, like, you know, not being able to get to the highest level uh, to represent my country, uh, it was really cool to actually represent my country for entrepreneurship. For sure. And how do both of you prep for all this, like traveling and pitching and what are you packing? Like, how do you, how do you handle all of this? The packing isn't too, too much different from, I guess, a regular trip. Um, we'd really do our homework before we go to a conference so that we're actually getting something out of where we're going. Like we go to a conference, um, you know, there's certain people we want to connect with. We have objectives, right? Uh, we're not just going there to wave our flag and go home, right? We want to actually have uh, actionable deliverables from when we leave. When we started, when we first started going to conferences and stuff, we would, you know, go to the closest restaurant and eat out and it starts getting really expensive. So something we do now is we actually have this like Yeti cooler, which is a really, um, really good cooler. Um, and we, and Chris is, is even better at remembering it, but we actually like pack all our snacks, anything that's in our fridge, like today, no, yesterday, knowing that we'd be away for about a week, we knew anything that's going to go bad, like, let's bring it with us. Let's put it in the cooler. So then we have food to eat wherever we are. And we're not like spending $20 or $50 at like restaurants when we don't have to i think like we have that like frugal mindset of we mm -hmm. want to spend as little money as possible i mean we're startup founders right we put everything back into the business so little things like that where we can save a buck here and there uh but it, it's also part of our story you know like we have so many great like things like that that have uh you know attributed to our success and i think like you know one day you know when or if we're millionaires i think we'll still kind of live like a similar lifestyle i think that mindset has like been ingrained into us over the last two years of just work hard put your nose down and, and save money and, and put it all back into the business you know when we go to a conference and even it's like if it's a smaller conference or if it's like one of the bigger ones we're always like like taking it all in and we're like we don't want to miss a moment and um i think sometimes startup founders can get lost and can get discouraged so easily and i know along the way we could have got discouraged many times but you know i think like having that frugal mindset and having that like uh like nose to the the grindstone and actually pushing through has really made us appreciate our journey and like it, it makes us see our business in a, a much different light another example i just thought of uh i have like a six cylinder car it's pretty rough on gas so one of the first things we did was uh, we leased uh, a Honda Civic, uh, which is great on gas. We've got it branded. And so we've, we've been around, we've been to many, many conferences over the last couple of years and we take the car everywhere, but it, you know, it's another example of trying to save money and, and um, it's been great. That's a great way. Like if you're going to buy a new car, you made it useful for the business. So I love that. Was there a time, what was the most challenging time in, in your uh, kind of story so far? And, and how did you get past that? And how do you get past really challenging moments in general? Oh, man, there's been a lot. Like people refer to entrepreneurship as a roller coaster. We've talked about this all the time. It could not be more true. We've had so many like ups, but like so many downs too, where like we've been like, you know, you know, close to 
you know, getting down to, you know, no money in our bank account. We're like, what are we going to do? And then just something happens at the right time. And it's always been like that throughout our journey. It's like things happen at the right time where it's almost just meant to be. And it just keeps us rolling. And for almost a year and a half, we we're in development. So we really had to like weather the storm and stay afloat. No pun intended. Fully <laughs> fun. Um, but like we had to be really resourceful. And that was one of the biggest challenges for us. And we've gotten kind of gotten over that hump now and things are starting to roll. So you know, it's like Shannon said, it can be very easy for entrepreneurs to get uh, discouraged. And we, we think of that graphic all the time where, um, you know, the guy's got the pickaxe and he's picking away at, at, at the wall and the jewels are just on the other side of the wall, but he has no idea. And then the other part of the graphic is the guy walking away and he's so close, you know. And um, I'd like to talk about what you're both doing in Cornwall as well, because you guys are really helping with the innovation and everything else out there. I know that we're a Toronto podcast, but um, we just had to feature you guys. And we really want to hear about what you're doing in Cornwall and um, how other entrepreneurs in Cornwall can succeed or reach out to you or anything like that. Yeah, well, um, what's really cool about Cornwall, uh, if some people are like, why are they in Cornwall? Well, I, uh, I was uh, born in Montreal, but I grew up in Cornwall, and I left for about 10 years. I lived in Toronto twice, and right before I moved back to Cornwall, about three and a half, almost four years ago, I was living in Toronto. So totally uh, no Toronto. I miss, I, miss, I miss it, like, to visit but I love being in Cornwall. And I think what the best thing about Cornwall is, is the community. And, you know, a lot of people that my, of my age that like moved away have all moved back and we're all supporting each other and really trying to grow the innovation and the entrepreneurship. And because it is in such a great location, we're an hour from Ottawa, an hour from Montreal, we're really just four hours uh, away from Toronto. We're really able to expand our networks on this totally different level. The cost of living is super, super cheap. Um, we have a great place on the water and, you know, we come to Toronto and we're like, Haha, so <laughs> yeah, you can not get a nice house on the water here for less than quite a few million. <laughs> yeah, we feel like we can be an example to other aspiring entrepreneurs in rural communities, not just Cornwall, but other rural communities that um, you can build something great no matter where you are, especially with SaaS products, right? Um, so like we have an amazing place right on the water. Um, you know, our, our staff love coming. They actually came back to Cornwall. They moved away and came back to Cornwall to work for us. Um, so we're really proud to be an example of that, uh, but also bringing high quality jobs to Cornwall. Uh, Cornwall is kind of known as like a warehousing manufacturing city because of its location relative to Montreal, Ottawa and Toronto. Uh, but we think because of the cost of living, because it's so low and uh, because of the community and all the things that Shannon said, it's a really great place to post up and start a business. Um, so, you know, start there, grow, get bigger, and then you can proceed to, you know, go to other communities like Toronto or Ottawa that have more of an ecosystem that you can tap into. And we live in such an amazing time where with everything being digital, it's so easy for anyone to start a business from anywhere. And I think that's really the example that we want to be so that people don't have to let where they live impede what their dreams are, what they really want to do with their lives. And I think like there's no better time than right now to be able to do something like that. All right, so time for some rapid fire questions. Um, so first I'm gonna ask you about your favorite spot in Toronto, but also your favorite spot in Cornwall. So I, uh, I used to live near the distillery district and I worked on the Esplanade. Uh, so I always love uh, going back down there. It kind of like reminds me of home when I lived there. And it's just so, it's, 
I don't know, it's very comfortable to me. Um, so I, I really like the distillery district. Uh, for me, it's the Rogers Center. It's something that I've always gravitated, gravitated to, even as a kid. Uh, I grew up a huge Blue Jays fan, even living in Ottawa. Um, I think like, you know, the Raptors are a testament to Canada's team, right? And I think the Blue Jays are very similar to that. Um, so I have like fond memories of going to Blue Jays games. And uh, for me, that was like my hotspot in Toronto. And in Cornwall, um, you know, there are some really great places in Cornwall. Like our downtown is growing. Um, I love, there's a couple restaurants down there that I love going to. Uh, we have a huge park at the end of our downtown. It's called Lamaru Park. And there's always so many events going on in there. There was just Ribfest last weekend. Um, there's, I don't eat, I don't eat meats, but I heard the ribs were good. Um, <laughs> so I think that like that waterfront that we have is really cool. What's the best place you've traveled to? Um, I mean, we've traveled to some amazing places. Like Berlin was awesome. New York City is incredible. Boston is a place that I've never been to before. We had such an amazing time. We were selected as a top 100 startup for startup of the year. So we went down there, attended the conference, uh, got to see the Sports Innovation Lab, which was really cool. So we really connected on that level. But the city is so innovative and it's so beautiful and everyone was so friendly. So for me, that was like the coolest place that I've been. Yeah, I, I really liked Boston too. I mean, uh, Berlin, like Chris said, was really awesome. I had been to Germany before, but was uh, I, I stayed in the south. Uh, so being up in Berlin was cool to see all the history and, and, and that. And there is a lot of innovation there too. But yeah, Boston is great. When we were visiting, we were like, can we like uh, move here? <laughs> <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah, it was a great place. When we flew into Boston, they were actually doing the uh, Red Sox um, World Series parade. So that was really cool to just like land and then be a part of that right away. So I think that kind of like That's awesome. was cool too. And this isn't on the rapid fire list, but talk to me about your pet bunny. Yeah, so we rescued our rabbit Jack from becoming rabbit stew. So sad. Um, he, uh, someone that we knew, uh, their neighbor had bought him to basically eat him, and we, it was a mission. We literally like rescued him in the middle of the night, and uh, we're so happy we did. He's a, a Flemish giant rabbit. So some of these rabbits get to be huge. If you Google um, what they are, some of them are just crazy. And, and Jack is getting big. He's, uh, he's probably about like. 12 to 14 pounds now and he's he has such a personality like neither of us ever had a rabbit growing up uh we didn't really want pets right now because you know we're traveling so much and we're so busy uh but jack is like so low maintenance and uh we just love him because he he's he's a great mascot we think of him as like our therapy animal you know it can be really stressful as an entrepreneur um, but he's just like Shannon, so he's got so much character. He's so funny. He does this thing called a binky where he just runs to the middle of the room and jumps to the side. And our employees just love him. So it's really cool to have him just running around the office and chilling out with us while we're working. And, and do you have a go-to karaoke song? So I love karaoke. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's my jam. And the more wine I have, the more I love it. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm also a huge Backstreet Boys fan, like the biggest. Um, so as long as you love me is, is a, is a go-to, but I also like the gambler by Kenny Rogers, a little country in there. Um, yeah. Any song really. I'm more of a shower singer uh, per se, uh, but anything Eric Church, I'm a huge Eric Church fan. These boots, uh, Springsteen are two of my favorite songs. And I remember like when I was playing pro, um, you know, a couple of the other teammates of mine, we'd go to this one bar every Thursday night and they'd have karaoke and we'd just jam out to Eric Church so hard and, uh, for both of you, did um, you have a favorite teacher growing up? 
Yeah, I did. Um, I have like a couple of teachers that stood out from my elementary and like middle school. Um, but for me, like, start, you know, going into university, um, I had one, one or two like professors that were just incredible. One taught entre- entrepreneurship and the other one taught international business. Uh, one of them is actually like an advisor in our business today. Um, so that's cool that we've like kept that relationship and he really made a big impact on me. So that was probably my my favorite teacher, Greg Gardner, shout out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I always had, like, I, I feel like I was really lucky to have a lot of teachers that were amazing. Uh, one of them, Mr. Wheeler in, uh, in high school, taught writer's craft. And I always loved writing. I was always a big reader. But uh, he really, like, helped bring that out of me and, and gain a lot more confidence. And since then, you know, I've went on and studied journalism. And um, writing has really become something that I just I love to do and I love to share with people. So um, shout out to him. And then in university, too, I had a great, uh, a great prof who taught uh, some business classes and communication. And I think that, uh, you know, having good teachers who really like understand you and listen to you and, and teach you more than just like theory and teach you more about life, uh, those are the teachers you remember. I have one final question. Um, do you have any other advice for founders who are also couples? Good question. Um, I think that um, my piece of advice would be not to give up on either the business or the relationship I think that you know it's really there are trying times and you know to understand your relationship on a different level outside of like your business relationship and then your actual relationship and understand how they are different and how they affect the business as well and I think you know there's different takes on on this I read about it all the time like how to work together and I think for us we're just really learning as we go and um you know it's about like respecting each other and apologizing when you know you're wrong and you know taking um taking responsibility if um if you've you know said something that's not nice in the heat of the moment when you're like you know bank account is is too low than you can even imagine um and then you know learning and growing together and I think like for that we have a relationship that is so different and like so complex and it's uh, like when we first met people were like have you guys been married for like 80 years and we're like (laughs) it feels like it so for us it's just it's been it's been a really fun ride but it's also been like you know a lot of learning about each other and a lot of learning about ourselves um so I guess my advice for for other co-founders that are couples is uh, try and separate the business from the relationship um, and just, you know, be loving towards each other and accept each other's differences. Well, that was a great advice and overall an amazing podcast. And we're so happy um, to have you guys come to Toronto. Uh, it was really great to interview. You, so thank you both so much for coming in. So happy we could get on the podcast and chat with you guys. It's great to see you guys again. Thank you for having us. We've been looking forward to this, forward to this for a really long time. So. We wanted to thank you so much for coming in. We had such a great time interviewing you for Floater Founder. And thank you so much to our listeners. We are so excited to share more founder stories with you. Until Until next time. time.